Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. The holidays are here. It's Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. There goes my email. Uh, That's Ian. I'm Pat. On the show today, what are we talking about on the show today, Ian? What do we got? Do the rundown. What do we got here? We got... Okay, don't. Uh, We'll be talking about the Smash Brothers uh, tournament mess. The mess. To put it lightly. Uh, I Am Jesus prologue is live the demo for the long awaited game we've talked about this game for like three four years um this is a grand turismo movie yeah that's weird other stuff uh we'll do a q a we'll do uh voicemails did you have a, you have a nice weekend watching wednesday adams i did and we <laughs> talked about it on the bonus bits and the uh what, what, what do you call it what do you call the bonus bit what do I call it? Yeah. Nothing Matters. Nothing Matters. With Pat and Ian. So check that out. You don't know the name of it. <laughs> no, I don't know the name of the bonus bit. <laughs> so Nothing Matters. I- Ian's engaged. I am engaged. Uh, so I talk about, uh, yeah, I talked about Wednesday. And then you talked about Harry Potter movies. Harry Potter. I did bring up Columbo, but I will now real quick. Uh, Columbo has been great. I'm into season five. They did seven, I think seven series in the 70s. And then it came back in the late 80s, and then it was on for like 10 more years, something like that. Um, so there was like a 10-year gap in between. Jeez. Um, yeah, they're great. They're engrossing. They're a little bit too long, some episodes. Some The episodes should have been really an hour and a half, not two hours on TV, some of them. It's like they're padding some. But it's interesting because like they'll have him talk to some random-ass person for a minute and a half for no reason. Yeah. But it's interesting because he's a great actor. But it's like it's not essential to the plot at all. It's just like, eh, right, 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 right. And it's like, uh, this is padding. They're padding this for so this is feature length. But um, no, it's been it's been great. And they drop, they drop a little more hints about him and his – you never see his wife. I, I talked about how – Kate Mulgrew played the wife in a, in a spinoff series that Peter Falk disavowed because when they cast her, she was 23 years old in the late 70s. And Peter Falk in the late 70s was like 50. So it's disgusting <laughs> yeah. that they did that. And even in that episode, they said he even mentions we were high school sweethearts. So like the wife's the same age as Peter Falk. Anyway. That's he 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 publicly disowned that fucking show, and it's they had to retcon the show while it was in while it was being made. To be like, oh no, this is not really the wife of Columbo. They they fucked up. <laughs> and it sounds like a fucking mess that they did that. They made it like the Kate Mystery Adventures or something instead of like it started up as Columbo's wife. Just horrible. Gotta ruin everything. Networks. Sorry, it's just. Anyway, so I've been falling asleep to Columbo and rewinding it. I just saw an episode with Ricardo Maltaban as the villain. He's amazing, obviously. The one thing that's weird about Columbo, they reuse actors. So I've seen the same killer. I've, I've seen an actor play two different killers now like three times. And I, I don't know why that is, if they, if they couldn't get enough stars to come in, guest stars. But it just throws me off a little bit. Leslie Nielsen is in two episodes. Okay. Never the killer, though. Okay. Uh, a, a younger, youngerish, dashing Leslie uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen plays the uh, the boyfriend of the killer and thinks she's all innocent. These aren't spoilers. You know who the killer is immediately on these. Um, and then the second time, he is the person getting killed, uh, which is a shame because he plays sort of like a CIA asset. And you're like, this could be cool to follow him. Is he going to be the killer? No, he's the one that gets killed. So he's in it for like twenty minutes. That's the thing. Like the the, the the murders often have like a big lead up. You really learn about the relationship between the killer and 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 and, and the person getting killed. So that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, it's a totally different sort of you know. You know all the motivation. You know everything that goes on with these over overly convoluted 
um, you know, murder plots that happen. Anyway, what's going on? Oh, a lot of trailers came out. Yes. Yes, they did. We have trailers for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Indiana Jones 5, uh, and then Transformers Beast Wars. Did you see that one? No, I did not. I did. I'm not familiar with the Beast Wars cartoon because I thought that CG was ass in the 90s. and though people loved that cartoon. I was like, this looks horrible. I never it watched is, it. It is. I mean, um, the CG's ass, but it was supposed to be a very well-written show. Never watched. I couldn't. When I was like, I was like, this is not. I said to myself, this is not. The G- well, it wasn't, it was, I guess, were they even calling it G1 then? I don't know what they called the original stuff in, in, in the early 90s. But I was like, I just couldn't get past it. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I yeah. couldn't. I mean, I never uh, watched it, so. Uh Indiana Jones 5, I don't know what way that's going to go. I think it'll be automatically better than Crystal Skull, since that was a bad plot and too much CG I refuse to watch Crystal Skulls, and I'm going to be honest, I'm probably not going to watch this one either. I'm sick of this shit. I'm so fucking sick of having to fucking make... 8 million sequels. I'm sick of having oh. to drag these old people out and fucking hook them up <laughs> to goddamn puppet strings and make them do the dance. It's pathetic. Well, it's fucking creatively, like... It's done. It's it, it's done. I, 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 would, I would hate it less if they would just fucking recast. Well, that's what... Indiana Jones is a character. Yes. Harrison Ford is not actually Indiana Jones. If they if they made this like James Bond, you could we could have had like twenty Indiana Jones movies by now. You know we could we could have had one every few years. And I think at one point that's what they were thinking about doing with the character. That's the way to fucking do it. And people would have been pissed off. But boy, they were pissed off when Sean Connery was recast. Obviously, people get over it. They get over it, and you yes. move on. Um, and yes, people will say you're never going to be able to replicate it. That's fine. You'll have someone do their own version of it. That'll be just as good. There's so many things they could. And obviously, they did that with the young Indiana Jones. There's been like, obviously, what, three or four Indiana Jones, technically. If you count River Phoenix, yes. if you count the two or three actors that did in the series. So there, there is a precedent to do this. Just have the balls to do it. Because he was too old. Uh, 12 years ago, with Crystal Skull, he was in his 60s. And now he's 80. And it's like they CG'd his head onto him, right? It's bad. I know they can improve the CG. I'm not watching this for the CG. I'm not putting that down. There's time. But like when you have to have another actor ride the horse and CG Harrison Ford onto the – don't do it. Just don't do it anymore at that point. It's, it's too much. And, yeah. and they're going to they're gonna play up the age of it more. I do like the, fa- the fact that Salah's in it. They brought it back Salah from, uh, from the first movie and from uh, – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from uh, John Rice davies from uh, Last Crusade. I do like that. But the questions are – I'm going to say, where's Karen Allen? They're going to explain what happened to her. Uh, did she die after they got spoilers? They got married and the Crystal Skull. Where's Mutt? Is is the new guy Mutt now older? They didn't bring back Shia LaBeouf. Mm. Uh, you, you forgot he was. In I've that. never seen Crystal Skull. I did forget Shia that he LaBeouf was in is, is is in it uh, as Mutt. Right, but he's not now. He's not in this one. But there's an actor that was also the same actor in Predator in the in the, in the, in the Predator movie. I thought that was bad playing a character i wonder if that's mutt so they're recasting uh, some but not others. I, I don't know <laughs> the point is is like once you get to this point what do you do what do you do so so this is going to be um from the trailer it looks like this is going to be a time travel plot going back to old indie adventures and that scares the living shit out of me to do that sort of thing with indiana jones because the whole thing about indiana jones was it was it was supposed to be I know 
there was weird shit, supernatural stuff that happens, but it wasn't like sci-fi heavy until Crystal Skull ruined it. Right. It was more about, you know, a religious uh, faith and things like that, like magic of religion stuff. Uh, and now we're going sci-fi. So I'm like kind of scared. But I will see it. I'll see it. I saw the other. I saw the last two in theaters. I, I saw. Uh, I saw Last Crusade, and I'm pissed that they, we're still not getting Short Round back. Actor, yeah, actor's huge now. Um, no cameo, at least there was. There wasn't a cameo in Crystal Skull, and I was super pissed off because if you're going to have someone, you know, uh, following Indy's footsteps, at least that's established from Temple of Doom, which is still honestly my favorite out of all of them. I, I love Temple fucking of Doom. Love Temple I love of Doom. Temple of Doom. Uh, and always have, always will. Don't and, understand the hate. And Indy's relationship with Short Round is touching, like father son sort of thing. It's very heartfelt. And I think they really should have hit upon that. And supposedly the, the actor is not in this one either, unfortunately. So it's just like, okay, that sucks. Um, and then Guardians of the Galaxy 3, did you see the teaser for that? No, that I did not. I did not look at the Guardians of the Galaxy teaser. I It's tough for me to pay any attention to superhero stuff. At least, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy ones are usually a little bit higher, upper crust in terms of production. And- sure. Sure. I got I got to see the holiday special looks funny. Uh, did you see that uh someone at Marvel basically said the other day we got to slow this down. We put out too much shit. And it's like no oh, kidding. Oh really? Yeah. You put that in the doc. Is someone said that? Uh let me see. Not when Disney spent all this money. <laughs> spent all this money. Um well that's the problem. It's it's once you get to it too quickly, how do you unwind it and be like, "Hey, we don't need five movies in three series every year. What if we do like three movies in like a couple of series maybe? And now it's like constant where I'm lost and I can't keep up and I don't watch things anymore. Like that's, you know, some of us, some of us have, uh, you know, priorities where we can't just, we can't watch 13 hours of stuff every month. Yeah. You know, constantly a new show you got to watch to uh, keep up. We can't do it. There was an article about that. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find it. Or someone said something like that and I can't, I can't find it. But yeah, some someone said something about how there was someone I think that was in Marvel stuff was like we need to slow it down. Whether or not it's actually going to slow it down, <laughs> then they shot him. For yeah, then they <laughs> shot. <him>. Then, <laughs> then they killed him. Um, hey, I'm looking forward to Daredevil Reborn. It comes out a year from now. Uh, the new Daredevil series that's going to be good. Obviously, um, I don't know if they're going to bring back. It's going to be supposedly it's going to ignore just about all the Netflix Daredevil series, which. It's really? Unfortunately, because unfortunately, that's the the best thing ever that's ever been done with the MCU. That's a bummer. Um, they don't know. If, I don't know if they, they've seen confirmed that like even Foggy's coming back as a character. They don't even know if he is. Yeah. Ooh, so, wow. I, okay. So, like, I guess it, I'm less excited about it. Yeah. Then. So, yeah, it's weird. It's like not a continuation, but it's the same character and whatever. Then uh, is always going to be obviously going to be in it. Yeah. The the more the more cartoonish version of it. If if you saw Hawkeye, you see Hawkeye. No, the se- I, I mean the, the, the series that came out a year ago. No, you didn't see it. Okay. No, not yet. Okay, well, your your boy shows up for that. Um, and then uh, Super Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario Brothers trailer. So here's the deal. I've watched it. I have uh, never watched it with the sound on. I realized because everyone's like, "Oh, mean? the voices." I just hit play and watched it, like and watched the trailer because I'm more interested in how it looks, and I think it looks fucking fantastic. It looks amazing. Yeah, in terms it of visual looks. Like- yeah, great. I think it's so weird because the teaser just came out. Like the teaser and trailer usually have more space in between. Mm-hmm. It's been like less than a couple of months. 
I'm, I'm surprised it came out like this. All this all this all stuff dropped within like two three days. Guardians of the Galaxy three, Indiana Jones was almost the same day, and then uh, Super Mario Brothers and the Transformers Beast Wars stuff was all like within a couple of days. I guess they want to beat the Christmas rush, but um, yeah, there's elements of not elements Mario Kart's in there. There yep. are carts. Um, there was a Smash Brothers scene where they have Donkey Kong face off against Mario. I don't know how Donkey Kong gets there because it seems like. They come from a Brooklyn environment, um, just like, you know, the, the OG cartoon. So I don't know. I will say this, though. Chris Pratt's voice still is off. Everyone oh, else, yeah, I'm I sure. Have, I have zero complaints about any of the other voices. Chris, Chris Pratt's voice, he does a wahoo at the end, which is like, it sounds like he just did it like while he was walking in the hallway. Wahoo. Wahoo. Like, there's just wahoo. no chutzpah behind the voice. Right. I'm not saying it has to be Charles Martinet. I'm not saying it has to be Captain Lou, but it's just it is off compared to everything else. It is it is just fucking it is the wonder bread of voices. I will oh, say that. Yeah. It's just like the mass consumption, no taste voice. I'll just say that. <laughs> Sticks to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> fucking wonder bread was the worst. And Sunbeam. You ever have Sunbeam? Did you have that bread? In, oh in yeah, Sunbeam. Fucking yeah. worst breads ever. Both of those. Yeah. Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread had no like. It seemed like Wonder Bread when you bit into Wonder Bread, the moisture from your mouth like made it a different substance. At that point. So it's funny. I uh, actually ate a little bit of that last night. We don't Wonder Bread. We don't ever keep it around, but we had when we were down in Tijuana, we had you know picked up some stuff so we could make like sandwiches or whatever, and okay. we never really touched it. But her aunt brought a loaf of. Uh, bimbo white bread, which is essentially it's like Wonder Bread. It's it, it's like the Mexican version of you know white bread, and uh, the loaf has been sitting on top of our microwave for like a week and a half. And of course, because it's bullshit white bread, it's not you know it, it's still fluffy soft. Oh, like it'll it last a month at yeah. least. So I uh, I um I made like a casserole last night, uh-huh. and I had put it away. I like put the leftovers away. And I was a little hungry, so I was looking around, and I grabbed a piece of the white bread and put some butter on it and used it to clean up all the sauce in the casserole dish as I ate it. It was it was all right. I mean, in ter- it got the job done, but yeah, it's flavorless it's stuff. Not, it's not bread. It's flavorless. That's why the Europeans make fun of us for our bread. Our bread is awful. Yeah, it is. Our, our, the bread, you, they, they come in every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, dump it off at the supermarket, whatever. Um, real quick. Uh, Google did a nice thing with their Google do- Doodle for Jerry Lawson. Yep, whose uh, birthday was was that four or five days ago? Jerry Lawson, video game pioneer, helped uh, create the. Uh, I, I got to be specific now because people come after me. The programmable video game cart, the thing that you know became the standard. People are like, well, we didn't actually invent the video game cart. It was licensed technology. Was, what they did with the Fairchild Channel F was make it so that they could fucking make boards, ROM boards, and have them be interchangeable and, and mass produce them. That was extremely important. Yes. Without that, you don't have a home console industry. That, that's insane that that was done. Picture shrinking down gigantic arcade boards to yep. something that you can put a little plastic shell in play. Like, that's obscenely important. Um. And I'm glad that I did not know that was coming. I was I mean, people don't know that. Like, well, and it was. Did you play the game? I played it for like 45 minutes. I did. I played a couple of the pre-made games. It was cute. It's basically like a little Mario Maker. Yeah. Um, and it was really well done. It was cute. Uh, I loved the graphics. I played the Ghost game. 
uh, from start to finish. The Pong, you can make your own Pong game. The Pong game was in there. Yeah, or I would have loved to have. Uh, uh, maybe I'll go back to it this weekend and see what people got out of it because people are always breaking those sorts of things. And to you make can share other cool stuff. You can, and you share, can share your creation, and you can save. In, and so, like, it saved it into your, I guess, your browser cache. When you back later, your saved stuff would be in mm-hmm. there. And it was a cool, cute little interface because, like, it showed the cartridges, the Fairchild cards, the yellow cards, yeah. and how you can click on things and you know. Uh, and do that, and then you can change it from eight to sixteen bit, which will, you know we're fudging eight and sixteen bit. But there was different modes. There was like five different appearances. It would change the palette and change the, how the, uh, the the characters were, like the ghost. There was like I think there was like a cat one. So it was interesting. And, yeah. And, and, and little and um, and Jerry was the character that you, you platform. And the the little uh, yeah, it was cute. I liked it a lot. Uh, very classy to do that because uh, I th- he would have been I think like eighty two. He died uh, several years ago. And his family was interviewed. One of the nicest parts uh, was that the Power Up series. Uh, what's I was confused with the Crackle series versus the Netflix. It was uh, the one. Netflix one because I don't think I watched the Crackle one. The Netflix one we talked about. They had did like four episodes of. Yeah, I didn't uh, love all of it, but I really, really liked how they focused on Jerry and, yeah. and gave him the the credit he was due. Yeah, they they spoke to his uh, was it the the daughter and grandkid? I think they went they went to their house. Because that was my idea, uh, not my idea, but like if I had an idea of doing a, like an overarching series, I was like, yeah, you got to talk to Jerry uh, eventually. At the time, I didn't know he passed away, but that was the, I, I had an idea a few years back, and it's like, you know, someone's got to talk to Jerry. And obviously, we're celebrating Atari this year, and we're ce- we're celebrating at Madbox Odyssey fifty. Like this is like, you know, this is like a big uh, time for game history. But you know, you got you got to throw Jerry up there a little bit. You know, and don't come after me. If it, how technical we're gonna fucking get? Holy shit! We're not throwing other people under the bus by honoring Jerry. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's like relax, get over it. Um, what else is happening, Ian? Oh, jeez, everything's happening. Oh, this was funny. I was gonna bring this up because of the Mario thing. The Gears of War uh, designer pleads to keep Chris Pratt away from Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> keep this is a quote. Keep Chris Pratt away from the Gears franchise, please. FFS, which is parlance for for, for fuck's fuck sake. So I think that's funny. That was uh, the real Cliffy B, Cliff Blazinski. Blazinski is how you say it. Mm-hmm. Blazinski. And then someone put Chris Pratt, Pratt's face on all the characters, which is funny. <laughs> I think this is funny. And of course, Batista, who looks like a character in the game, did a little video of him in the armor. Oh, of course. Did that. I think that's funny. Said, I can't make this any easier and tweeted out him in Gears of War armor. (laughs) If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Microsoft is raising the prices on their new first-party games to meet, um, well, it's going to meet what uh, Sony charges for a lot of their games now. Uh, They're raising it to 70 bucks in 2023. That's going to be for all first-party games built for Xbox Series X and S. I don't have a whole lot to say about this, but when Sony did it, it was only a matter of time before Microsoft did it. Excuse me. And I can tell you right now that Game Pass is not going to stay at $15 a month. You think it's sustainable? No, I don't. I think it's going to have to jump to 20 
Um, I don't think Microsoft will do more than 20 initially because they've really kind of been focusing on the, the, the price of Game Pass being a, you know, a great deal. Sure. So I think you can bump it up to 20 and still get away with that. I think if they do 25, that's when the stuff is going to fall off. I think they'll hold off on a price bump, but I would say that we will definitely see a Game Pass price bump in 2023, if not right away. Oh, well, we're predicting it. Um, well, Ian, I'll call you call, call you Ian Pactor over here. <laughs> see how, see how, I think this, I think that's a pretty a pretty pretty safe bet. If they're raising the price of their retail games, they're going to raise they're, the they're price. They're going to raise their... it. Raise it a third, fifteen to twenty. I think so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, I, and I know people are going to say, uh, you know, call, call certain people corporate bootlickers, but sixty dollars has been the standard price forever on these games now. Yep. And inflation obviously has overseeded, superseded this, and the cost of some of these games has gone through the fucking roof. Yeah, you know, games in the '90s didn't cost like three hundred million dollars to do. Right. So, so I mean, like, not to say we should be oh, we should be happy price going up, but like, I I would have expected this to happen at least a, like maybe like a decade before now for these prices to start increasing. Yeah, I'm not I, I, I'm not at all surprised, as you said, sixty has been the. Fifty nine ninety nine has kind of been the go to since the PlayStation two and Xbox era, at least. Sure. Um, I remember a lot of games for the PlayStation one being like forty nine ninety nine, but from like PlayStation two and sixty four games were around sixty, weren't they? Uh, no, I mean, N sixty four games could be as much as eighty five bucks. That was the problem. Oh yeah, and super games. Yeah, I mean, and, I pay, and, I, I, you can't you can't look at the N sixty four when we talk about this because it's a cartridge based system. Those cartridges were all. Oh over sure, the place. I just mean games in general. Have been sixty at least forever. Sure, even any some NES games got to that point. Most were like fifty, but like for the new ones, but yeah, fifties yeah. to sometimes sixty for some games was not yeah. uncommon. And then there were obviously games like Street Fighter Two that was like eighty bucks. I paid when it bucks came out. plus tax for um, You know, we've we used to get receipts at Luna all the time because N sixty four games really aren't that old in the grand scheme of things. So we'd get receipts and boxes and whatnot. And people were paying stuff like 80 for Mario Kart, 85. Like, I mean, wow. cartridge games were expensive. But if you just look at disc-based stuff, which is all that matters right now anyways, um, 60 has kind of been forever. Uh, I don't mind the price hike in that regards. I, uh, I want, you know, these teams to get paid more. What I hate is I just hate the nickel and diming of it. And I wish sure. they would just... I understand that they need the tail of revenue. They need that revenue to kind of be spaced out for the year. But I've always said on here, I wish they would just charge what they think a game is worth instead of not having, you know, an industry standard. Sure. Is this game really, really big and doesn't have a lot of content? Then charge me a hundred bucks for it and leave the season pass out. The, but that's psychologically marketing. I know it's very tough uh, for to some solve. people. It's easier like me for other people. It's a lot harder. I, some, so some people, I get it. Some people be like, oh, I don't want to pay a hundred dollars now, even though they might be paying more than that over a year or two. Like you said, like they yeah. could be paying. No, I, I, so. I get it. it. I mean, that's a that's, that's a that's a that's a it's an opinion. It's a me thing. Yeah, no, uh, I get it, though. Plus, it's always like, well, what is the final cutoff point? Maybe they want to come up with something later. But no, I, I get it. Um, There's no tail end of. <laughs> no bad 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 you buy something once you get it there's no dlc <laughs> okay the books you saved it you buy one enamel pendency podcast what you pay once i won't ask you for money again we won't ask you for money <laughs> rei baseball stickers hey good stocking stuffers all this stuff enamel pins 
not for resale blu-ray video game stuff years. your stockings with mine and pets fat foches fat foches foches yeah uh, nes punk dvd still sell every now and then at ultimate nintendo.com i'll be on cameo or that one dude who's just living in the woods <laughs> hey i just saw one on amazon yesterday to someone don't don't call out people they're keepsakes you know like, they're keepsakes I still sell DVDs at convention. I don't know if people are actually watching them or just they're keepsakes. I'm running out of volume four, four DVDs. They're running down. Yeah, when was the last time you printed them? The Roaring Twenties? Wow, man. <laughs> I, hey, I sold that. I sold out of the wristbands. You said that was never going to happen. It took a long ass time. I and fucking, I, and I think it was probably helped by like fifty of them being stolen. Okay, someone, <laughs> someone did steal some at, at, at Pax East back in 2015 or so. Sixteen. Don't bring that up. That's that's kind of a sore spot. You motherfucker! You stole a nice sealed ream of 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 of, of NES punk wristbands. Anyway, I'll be on Twitch Wednesday, twitch.tv slash Contra Code Ian will not be there. <laughs> I'm on Cameo, cameo.com slash Pat Contra. And Ian, we have, uh, uh where, where is it? Big, big news. Uh, this one, we need it. Big, big news. Where's, where's, where's the other one? I don't know. Where'd you put it, Pat? Big, 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 big news. <laughs> what is it? Um, the app is updated. The Ultimate Game Guide for NES app. Huge update. Thanks to Embraceware, Jerry. Um, I'm going to do the read. The Ultimate Game Guide for NES app is back with a huge update, redesigned from the ground up with by a new developer with a new look and much improved performance, fully optimized for iPad with more information displayed on screen, new play state feature to keep track of what games you play, completed, or would like to play later, 3D box renderings of all games with front, back, and spine, over 250 game and accessory magazine ads and promo materials, filter options expanded with presets and new custom options, search feature updated to be more intuitive, additional tips and game genie codes added, pricing data is now updated daily some database errors corrected this is a free update to all past users it's available now for iphone ipad and for the first time mac os sync your collection across all devices with a free cloud account you can find it at the app store or ios.ultimatenes.com and redirects to the app store so i didn't talk about the app for like two and a half years because it was in a bad state i didn't want to promote it but now it's back to heights that you should all enjoy. And the Android update will come uh, fairly soon. Well, that's a lot of updates and or changes. And I uh, hope it, I wish the best for you. For, for, for me? Yeah. It's not technically my app anymore. I should say that. I don't, it's, it's not under my banner, but I am semi-involved. Uh, and then Daniel Greenberg, our pal, and the team at Winter Iron... Game Studios are kicking off their sixth season of Ion Gaming with a special charity fundraiser. Starting at 8 p.m. this Sunday at twitch.tv slash winterion. The team will be streaming for the Prevent Cancer Foundation to help with education, screening technologies, and supplying underserved communities with access to care. To learn more about the team and their show, visit their website at winterion.com or check out the previous five seasons of episodes at watch.winterion.com. Yeah, do it. That's our PS our PSA portion of the intro. We've done that in a while, something like that. Well, uh, there's a Gran Turismo movie coming out, and uh, I'm probably not going to see it no matter what. However, 
when you and I did a little bit of digging, it was actually more interesting than I thought. So you hear Gran Turismo film being announced, and you're like, okay, well, what the what the fuck? Like, 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 like the Need for Speed movie. Right. It's literally just, you know, uh, a, a, a Fast and the Furious or a race car movie with any other name attached, with, with a different name attached. I'll tell you what, real quick, though. That Need for Speed movie, though, mm-hmm. all, the, all the racing was actually real. Oh, was so, it? So, like, the, the actual racing and chasings are actually really good. No CG bullshit. It's all practical. They actually all raced it. I did see that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but this is actually a little bit int- more interesting than just, you know, slapping a brand name onto a generic action movie. The upcoming film, this is from Deadline, the upcoming film is based on the true story of Jan Mardenborough, who is billed as having the ultimate wish fulfillment uh, of a teenage Gran Turismo player whose gaming skills won him a series of Nissan competitions to become an actual professional race car driver. Um, ensemble includes Archie Medek, David Harbour, Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom, all right. All sorts of people. Jerry, Hollywell, uh, Jerry Hollowell is in there. The Spice Girl? Yeah. Okay, I'm in. You got me interested. Um, she was always my favorite, too. She was really cute. You like Jerry? Uh, so, yeah. That, to me, that's interesting. It's actually, like, a story about the, you know, uh, someone story. whose life was changed about the game. And what I find interesting about this is just how much video games and how vid- racing video games get more and more realistic. How much we've seen racing video games in actual racing cross lately we've got this story coming out about a guy who played gran turismo and you know became you know became a an actual race car driver and then there was that nascar story a couple months ago or a month ago about that dude who uh did the really crazy like nitro boost and like glided the wall yeah and, and, and glided along the wall and to win and he was like i used to do this all the time in gamecube blah 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 and he's like and i just wanted to see if it would work and it worked that happened a few weeks ago it was, not, or a it was like a month ago, ago. Yeah. yeah or a few weeks yeah, ago. he rode the wall yep he boosted and rode the wall that's <laughs> what he said or yeah and so that's crazy um so i find that interesting that you know racing you, you play a lot of football games doesn't mean you can go out there and play football you play a lot of basketball games you're not going to go out there no. and play basketball you play a lot of racing games that really like focus on the simulation aspect it's okay. one to one okay and that's that's, that's, one a, to one. that's possible especially if you buy, you can uh, a, buy wheel. a wheel controller yeah, and, exactly and, and those setups are like realistic you can you can spend several hundred dollars. You can like spend a, several thousand dollars on the home setups. You can get the the chairs that move oh, yeah. and shit like that. No, it's it's, crazy. it's probably the only one to one thing you can do with video. You games. can really train yeah. that stuff. So it's it's neat. I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, absolutely. Um, oh, we didn't talk about another trailer. Uh, Cocaine Bear. That's another trailer that came out. Oh, I have not seen the trailer, but oh, I love Ian, bears, so I really want to see it. Cocaine Bear looks amazing. It's gonna be. It's gonna be amazing. Only in theaters. It's a th- you want to you want to you want you need the whole theater experience for Cocaine Bear. Uh, my friend Sam and I, who uh, Samantha and I, uh, we're we're the ones who we get really really into Fat Bear Week every year, mm-hmm. and we've been into Fat Bear Week since its inception. And when the Cocaine Bear poster came out, I was like, "Are we watching this?" And we're already planning. We're doing a Netflix watch party when Cocaine Bear comes out. Or whatever it comes out. It's gonna be in theaters. Oh, it's gonna be in theaters. Oh, this deserves the theatrical. I will be there. Uh, Here's the crazy thing about Cocaine Bear, though. Uh, I think it's Ray Liotta's last appearance. (laughs) We love Ray. He looks great. He appears. I love Ray Liotta, but I saw his name on there, and I'm like, wait a second, that man passed away. Is this gonna be his last movie? February twenty (laughs) fourth is when the directed by Elizabeth Banks. 
Yeah. That's kind of a shocker. Yep. <laughs> like Elizabeth, oh, I know she directed, but directing Cocaine Bear. I think that's funny as hell. Um, yeah. Okay. She is who I thought she was. Yeah. I didn't know she was a director either, but, but that's just funny. And then um, it's going to be like dark comedy tone. Obviously horror. It's a bear fucking things up, but like dark comedy. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous. Yep. It's ridiculous. Based uh, on a true story again. Yeah, so but that bear, I have a feeling that that bear did a lot of cocaine and died in twenty minutes. I have a yes, feeling they're that, going that's to extend pretty much it. what happened. Yes. The, 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 the fucking heart probably exploded in that bear. So I have a feeling um, the bear's probably going to last longer than twenty minutes in this. Yes, the bear's going to go on a fucking rampage in this. That's yes. the fun of it. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I fucking can't wait. I cannot wait. For <laughs> February twenty fourth, Ian. Yep. Close out the close out the winter. I mean, it's still winter, but no one counts. Not here. Winter. Not no, here. No, no one counts March for winter. Even if you're in Buffalo, winter goes yeah. through April. But in San Diego, oh, in you're, Jersey. you're done by you're done by mid February. It was snow in April sometimes in Jersey. I remember that. Yeah, it's shocking. But sometimes the spring was fine. Uh, and, and then probably um, uh, oh, we got to bring up this uh, this Kickstarter real quick. This was alerted to us this morning. Um, probably not a full topic. It's just it's it's uh, the GKD Plus, the ultimate retro game console with joystick. Um, it's a, you know, it's a Game Boy aftermarket ROM. It's a console. ROM player. It's a ROM player. They already hit their goal seven days to go. But what's shocking about it, it's it, Kickstarter says it's a project we love, but they're including 2,500 plus retro games with it. So obviously that's not kosher right. to do that. Uh, I'm not talking about the quality of the product itself. It might be great. It has dual joysticks on the front. It looks it's a, nice enough. But like, I cannot believe that they're getting away with this and that they haven't been called out, out on by anyone uh, about this uh, because like, I just don't remember this happening before. Like, even like that dream got around it by saying, Hey, we're going to have an app and you can like take pictures of games right. and then we'll automatically populate the ROM on your console. And I'm like, well, that's fucking illegal uh, to do that. Uh, but um, th- this is weird. I don't know. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a decently nice enough, you know, system, Game Boy Color size, tube joysticks, etc. But not at all the sort of thing that you would expect to see hit the front page of fucking Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that yeah they've done another another handheld before this, but I just don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why Kickstarter would pick it out. Ah, whatever. It stinks. That's the world. People don't care anymore. Uh this is this is a topic dear to our hearts, or we'll just say an update on this. Mm. More dear to your heart. <laughs> we love this. This is ridiculous. We talked about this, I think, before the pandemic. Oh yeah. Um, so this is from our favorite folks, Playway, who do who do all the simulator games you can think of. Car mechanic. Uh, they have a hobo simulator. Um, they have, I think they have um, a store one potentially. This was the one that we first discovered about them, though. I am Jesus Christ. This is the one that brought them to our attention. And I think they even sent me a code at one point. I got to find where that code is to sample this. I guess when it was pre-beta. So this is, I think, I think you can um, download the prologue. I think to this, and there's YouTube video on this. Um, it, this is a uh, you know J- Jesus starting on his journey. Still, still in, uh, still, still in uh, Nazareth, and going, going to get baptized by John the Baptist. 
uh, you know, and just the, the early the early days of Jesus. But, you know, we we skip over we skip over the Bible skips over the most part of the childhood, unless you go to the apocryphal Bible stuff. Right. You know, you find about the you know, they found him at the temple. He ran away, but that's like a one minor story in the in the four Gospels. But like. I think this is going to be entertaining. I would actually play this. So I uh, uh, well, there's there's uh, a there's a trailer, right? Yes. And I just stopped it in the middle here, and this screen says day thirty nine in the upper right hand corner. This is at forty eight seconds. If you want to check, okay. Uh, just it's funny to read this. So fasting of the Holy Spirit appears to be the mission we are on, and it says. You are starving and must head to each prayer location indicated by the God rays and pray in order to survive in the desert. It also says you're out of Holy Spirit. Use the R key in order to recharge your energy. Yes. So I guess to do miracles, and to, <laughs> you have to have your spirit, your, your, your key meter charged up, which makes sense. Sure. Jesus gets tired. Uh, yeah. You know? So, so you got to go to the pears and eat some pears in the desert? No, you got to pray at the God rays. It says okay. It shows him uh, turning water into wine, oh, and yeah. then a, and then a That's man. A classic. Then a man says, "This wine, it's better than what we typically had. This wine is better than the wine we had before. Thank you, thank you. You have saved the day. Yes, that's from the Bible. Yeah. They, they say this is yeah, better than the wine you, we thank had. You have saved the I, day. I'm not sure that's in the Bible, but the tr- <laughs> but in general, that's what happened. That was one of the earlier miracles. They 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 ran out of wine at the yes. wedding, and and then Mary's like, "Hey, Jesus." Help us out. Whip, hey, up, whip up some, some I got, grape hey, juice. I got a son who can do something. Let me, yep. give me right, right. And then he said, help us out. And she's like, all right, here's some wine. You know, get drunk. It's on, it's on Jesus. And that's what happens. I, I'm, I'm actually unironically saying, like, this looks entertaining to play. I actually do. You're, you're playing as a, as a son of God and doing miracles. I think that could be fun. I don't know how how the, the guard of Gethsemane is going to work. Gethsemane. How's it going to work? Are you going to, like, push back? Push back the Roman soldiers. Like, how is it going? It was just going to be. You need to use some combat powers. Well, because that's actually, the, you know, that's where they arrested him. Yep. Like, are you going to be some 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 force powers, or or you stop you, you stop uh, you know Peter from slicing the guards' uh, uh, ear off, and Jesus heals it? I know I know my gospel. Like, are, like how is that going to work? That part, I'm like kind of interested. Some are, good comments are, here on this. Are thing. you going to fuck up shit in, in, in the temple? With all the all yeah. the all the all the, the, the fucking dealers, the, the money lenders uh, and the Jesus, gamblers, Jesus fucked up the flea market at the temple. Basically, yep. are you gonna play that? I'm, I'm like I'm like seriously interested in some of this. How this is gonna work? There's some good comments on the uh, uh, on the on the uh, the on the uh, YouTube. Uh, I don't preview. Link, I don't have the link to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a video game protagonist, Jesus is now officially eligible to appear in future iterations of Super Smash Brothers. Um, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh... Revelations DLC going to be fire. <laughs> Finally, a game where rising from the dead over and over makes sense. Okay. <laughs> they really nailed the T poses. <laughs> over 2000 years of de- developmental hell. That's actually funny. <laughs> it really makes you feel like Jesus. Seven out of 10 IGN. <laughs> I'm going to buy this game for my brother. He doesn't play video games, but he's a huge Jesus fan. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, by the way. I just think it's funny. I was raised Catholic. Well, this person says, I'm a Christian, but the you are out of Holy Spirit energy sent me. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly think this could be... And I I looked at the gameplay of it, and they put in Bible passages. They're spoken as you go through. I think think they know the audience, and I think they know how silly it is, but also they're going to be respectful to to, to the religious followers. I'm being serious as much as I can. (laughs) Um... (sighs) I just think it's funny because we talked about this for like three, four years. Yeah, I know. This game. 
And it's fine. It's coming out next year. It says Q2 of next year, quarter two. And uh, yeah. yeah, that that's all I got, Ian. That's all I got. All right. well, we'll see how it is. There's usually a lot going on for all of us during the holidays, buying gifts, sending out cards, baking cookies. Right about now, seasonal excitement or dread is really starting to settle in, especially for small businesses. Slaying through traffic to the post office, inbox more like a blizzard than a winter wonderland, rushing to send cards and gifts to your loyal clients. It's not too late to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control with Stamps.com. Sign up now and you'll be printing your own postage in minutes. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to the USPS and UPS services you need to run your business right from your computer. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. Even save money with major discounts on USPS and UPS shipping rates. Up to 86% off. Use Stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and printer. And if you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. Rates are constantly changing. With Stamps.com switch and save feature, you can easily compare carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal every time. And if you're running an online store, Stamps.com works seamlessly with all the major shopping carts and marketplaces. This holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights and get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code CUPODCAST for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code CUPODCAST. Awesome is the feeling that sparked from the unexpected, and that's exactly what the curators from Bespoke Post have delivered in their new winter lineup of must-have Box of Awesome collections. Bespoke Post partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month. Ian, I got the cask, a personal barrel to age your own whiskey, has a spout in the front to serve drinks. Each barrel is handcrafted from American white oak, which has been charred to create a smokier cocktail. I love hot sauces. Everyone knows that. So I got the Scorch Box, and the Scorch Box was really impressive. They definitely know their stuff. There's a lot of great hot sauces in there, including truly one of my all-time favorites, the Taco by Seed Ranch. That hot sauce is out of control good. So really impressed with their selections. No matter what you have going on this winter, Box of Awesome has you covered. From cozy essentials to travel must-haves and cocktail kits, Box of Awesome has everything you need for winter. And they have tons of other new boxes that are really interesting, too. Uh, they have boxes with knives for the, you know, if, you, if you're more of a nature person. They have a, a carnivore box with spice rubs and things like that. So really, um, they've got you covered no matter what your interests are. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories and each box is valued at around $70 but you only pay a fraction of that price plus with each box of awesome you're supporting small business 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand I really like that it's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter our code CU podcast at checkout that's boxofawesome.com code CU podcast for 20% off your first box boxofawesome.com code CU podcast this portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by earthyselect.com your source for the finest delta 8 delta 9 and delta 10 thc flour oils, pre-rolls, vape pens, cartridges, and edibles. Their premium adult-use products are crafted from organic cannabis and infused with pure and potent THC extracts for effects you can feel. 
Delta 8, Delta 9, and Delta 10 THC products are perfect for relaxing, socializing, getting creative, and going deep in the game. Plus, they are hemp-derived and federally legal to ship nationwide. Let's look at some of their more popular goodies. Earthy Select's Delta 8 vape pens are packed with potent Delta 8 plus cannabis-derived terpenes. They have a stealthy ergonomic design that gives you a quick hit with no lag, making it perfect for gaming. Each rechargeable pen has one gram of Delta 8 THC and is available in four great-tasting flavors like Guava Kush or my personal favorite, Cherry Pie. I love these vapes. They pack light and are excellent on the go. Earthy Select also makes THC gummies and candies that are organic, vegan, gluten-free, and taste great. They all come in different strengths, so you can start low and see what's right for you. The Delta 8 gummies can be really relaxing and heady, while the Delta 10 is more associated with feeling productive and creative, so it's great for daytime projects or an all-night role-playing session. The Delta 9 gummies are impressive. They have Real Deal D9 THC, and they come in Sativa Peach or Indico Mango. They have a huge variety on their website, so check it out, earthyselect.com. All of Earthy Select's cannabis products are federally compliant, and they ship nationwide. Order online at earthyselect.com and use the coupon code CUP20 to save 20% on your first order. No limits. Must be 21 or older. That's earthyselect.com and use code CUP20 to save 20% on THC. Earthy Select. Select your adventure. Ian, uh, Pat, it's been a it's, it's been a strange uh, week for the Super Smash Brothers uh, competitive community. We couldn't keep up with the updates that are happening. Do you want to give us a the best of your ability a, a, re, a, sl- a small recap of what's been happening? Give us the fucking benefit of the doubt here. We're doing our best to can- uh, cover this. <clears throat> so, the Smash Brothers World Tour was supposed to take place in December. Basically, uh, one of the biggest Smash Brothers tournaments in the, I guess you could say, third-party Smash Brothers scene. <laughs> the unofficial, uh, like, Smash Brothers scene. Big, big cash prizes. Got all the biggest players there. They recently announced that they had to cancel the tournament uh, because Nintendo would not give them, um, basically, the licensing. To, to, to the 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 go ahead to use official licensing. Um, this is their actual quote. Without any warning, we received notice the night before Thanksgiving from Nintendo that we could no longer operate. That was what they said originally. Right, that's what they originally said. Um. Hey, my internet just froze. Uh. So, anyways, they could no longer operate. Um. There is. Panda is the official tournament organizer basically right now for Nintendo. That is who uh, Nintendo has given the licensing rights to. But that has not stopped people from doing third-party tournaments before. Mm-hmm. Um, when this was announced, a bunch of players were pissed because this does look like Nintendo doing what Nintendo does. Uh, Nintendo's never been particularly great with um, supporting their fan base when it comes to stuff like tournaments and stuff like that. And Nintendo can oftentimes be seen as being... I don't know, weird to their customer base. Um, Nintendo responded, uh, and that ended up with a lot of uh, players saying that they were going to boycott all official uh, Nintendo tournaments. All the Panda ones. All the Panda ones and anything that basically Nintendo licensed or sponsored. Nintendo's statement is a little bit different. Um, Let me get that here. Where is that? Nintendo would like to explain to all Super Smash Brothers fans and interested parties 
the background and rationale related to our decision to not grant a license. And we have to be we have to look at this wording. Uh, this to the Smash World Tour for their upcoming activities. Nintendo's decision was solely based on assessments and proposals submitted by Smash World Tour. This decision, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. This decision was not influenced by any external pan, uh, parties such as Panda Global, which is where a lot of accusations are. There's a lot of accusations sure. that Panda Global was trying to tank SWT so that it would be the only, basically the only game on the block. Or, or sabotage them. Right, or sure. sabotage them so they'd be the only game on the block. Um, they say they assess all their partners like that. When we notified the SWT that we would not license their 2022 or 2023 activities, we also let them know verbally that we were not requiring they cancel the 2022 finals because of the impact it would have on players. Thus, the decision to cancel the SWT 2022 was and still is their own choice. So this brings up, you know, something that I think a lot of people are thinking, well, if you can't get the Nintendo sponsorship, you could still throw the tournament, right? There's nothing illegal about throwing the tournament. You could still throw the tournament without the sponsorship. And they're, this is what Nintendo is saying. They basically said that. You don't have to cancel it. We know people are coming out. That's what they say. We are opening to partnering with other organizations and will continue to offer licenses for major tournaments outside of the Panda Cup. So Nintendo's not entirely just saying, hey, we're not doing this tournament thing anymore. We're saying we did not send licenses to this team or to this uh, event, we will license other events, including the stuff that's Panda Cup. Mm -hmm. Panda Global will continue to be a key partner, and we look forward to receiving proposals from other groups for tournament licenses. In the meantime, Panda continues to advocate on behalf of the Smash Brothers community, even to the point that Panda has advocated for other organizations and tournaments to work with Nintendo, such as the Big House and the organizers of the SWT. Uh, Nintendo cares about Smash Brothers fans, etc., etc., the end. So Nintendo's claiming that we said, "Hey, we're, we're, you don't have a, you don't have the the, the sponsored license, but we're not shutting you down." Right. So Nintendo says, and they, they made it a point to say that this was not Panda Panda's doing either, coming in and telling Nintendo to shut them down. Like this is just you know something going on here. And then SWT responded to that. So like it keeps going down. You know the response to response. So there was a response, a follow up to that response from Nintendo. Um. Well, they put out they put out a statement about that. Um, so yeah, uh, SWT's response to the Nintendo statement basically says um, they, they they really kind of hung on the thing where it says when we notified that the SWT would not license, we also let them know that we would not require them to cancel their events. That's what they kind of hung up on. And they said we are struggling to understand why Nintendo con- contacted us at all last week. They truly wanted us to continue operating. We are struggling to understand why they would not simply reach out to us after our event rather than rush to meet with us before the Thanksgiving holiday break just two weeks before our championships event. Um, so this so this SWT said this was a Nintendo in writing that they said this after their call. Um, it is they said it is Nintendo's expectation that an approved license be secured in order to operate any commercial activity featuring Nintendo IP. It is also expected to secure such a license well in advance of any public announcement. After further review, we found that the Smash World Tour has not met these expectations around health and safety guidelines and has not adhered to our internal partner guidelines. Nintendo will not be able to grant a license for the Smash World Tour Championship 2022 or any Smash World Tour activity in 2023. Okay. Nintendo's expectation. 
See, this is where it's going to get into splicing things in legality. Nintendo may be trying to say, hey, listen, we're really strongly advising you to have a license, but I'm not sure Nintendo is saying legally you have to. Like, that's where this is going to get weird. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know what I mean, because Nintendo's expectation that improved license be secured. There were Smash Brothers events going on for money well before Nintendo got involved. Right. Well, and Nintendo, as far as you know, only went after the ones that were supposedly using like the hacked ROMs and technology they didn't like. Well, I think if yeah. you had Nintendo uh, branding and stuff there, yes. too, like if you had the branding on your signs or things you like that. You used their Nintendo logo, stuff like that. So this is where I think this is where I think things get lost in translation. And I think SWT is obviously trying to play it safe. They don't want Nintendo to legally shut them down. But I don't think Nintendo. I don't think they could legally shut them down. If they, no. That's the thing. Like, I, If push came to shove, I don't know if they could. It is legal in, in many states, including California. You can run games of skill for money. That's not considered technical gambling because it's not a game of chance. Right. You can do these things. <laughs> and obviously, they've been done in the past. There's been fighting tournaments held publicly all over. When Nintendo gets involved and says, well, you want Nintendo logo on here, you want the official Smash Brothers trademarks, you want to use Mario and Pikachu and all that, now you need our, our license to do that. I think this is, this is, I think Nintendo got uncomfortable with something. We don't know what or, or why it was close. That's the thing. They got uncomfortable with something going on and saying, we don't want to be officially involved with this, which is their right. But if Nintendo says, we're not saying you have to cancel it, and in the writing, SWC saying, well, it's the expectation that you need an approved license. Those are not the exact same things. I, I think this is this is there, I think Nintendo was parsing words here. To be well, careful. I think there was some I, I think there was a lot of miscommunication. So you, you, you keep yeah. looking at the um, keep looking at the official statement by the Smash World Tour in response to Nintendo's. And they say, um, we also received a direct response to our questions in our call about if we could continue to run the upcoming championships in the 2023 tour with the unofficial mutual understanding that we would not be shut down. We were told directly that those times are over, um, which sounds pretty harsh. Again, um, they also said that they talked about how uh, they asked Nintendo if they understood the impact of canceling both the upcoming championships in the 2023 World Tour, in particular international players traveling to the championships, documentary teams. Nintendo said in response that we are, they are confident that from A to Z, all consequences have been evaluated in making this decision, including some positive, some negative, and some really negative. So, so it sounds like, I mean, the Nintendo... I don't think there's communication at, uh, I think, I don't think there's communication at Nintendo, which is making this look really bad on their part. You've got a public statement saying like, oh, they can still have their tournament and have their good old fun time. But mm -hmm. then you've got this, them saying here that they had this phone call where it was laid out to them pretty much A, B, and C that, no, we don't want you doing this. So where is it? I mean, yeah, when they say these times are over, does that, does that mean, or that was that them saying, again, this is not in writing, so it's not law, it's not legal, legally binding. When they say these times are over, was that someone misspeaking, meaning that we're not supporting you, Nintendo, anymore? Or is that saying, we're going to come after you if you do anything at all? Those are two entirely different things. So it's, it's messy as fuck. Right. It's messy. Yeah. It's messy. I'm, I'm not saying Nintendo handled this well. They should have given him a forewarning way in advance versus like less than a week. But like this is this is weird territory. My thinking uh, is is this honestly, um, if Nintendo's not going to come out and say what it was, I I feel like 
with all of the negativity that surrounds Nintendo and their interactions with fan bases, Nintendo should have given them the rope. And if something went wrong, then you go, this is, this is why we can no longer stand with them. Because they fucked this up. Because they fucked this up. And we will continue to support this. I think, especially with two weeks out, and it's true with people who have made travel arrangements and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Hotels. Again, I don't think SWT needed to cancel it necessarily, but depends on what kind of information they were getting. I think in Nintendo's case, the, the PR move here is, yeah, you give them the rope and you see if they're going to hang themselves with it. And if they don't, yeah. you go forward. It's one tournament. In, in ter- I mean, what, what? If Nintendo sponsors one tournament where what? There's like no mass compliance. It's not going to break Nintendo. You we, just say, okay, well, we can't do this anymore. Yeah, we don't know what the compliance is. That's the thing. We have no idea. Nintendo's probably never going to say that. No, before. exactly. But um, I, I just, I can't imagine it's something big enough to, to, to again make yourself look like the bad guy in the face of the public. Yeah. When you, when it would be easy to just run the tournament. Okay, we didn't like this, this, and this. Now you have reasons that you can now give the ammo. public, yeah. and you can say we're not doing it anymore. Yeah. This makes Nintendo look fucking weird and weird. It makes Nintendo look as uh, fucking weird and shitty as they always have about this. So SWT said last Wednesday we had our, our most recent call with, with, with Nintendo. Our rep opened by letting us know that they are being that they are being asked to live the news that going forward Nintendo expects us to only operate with a commercial license, and that we would not be granted one for the upcoming championships. Uh, or expect or any again, activity. that's not legal. That's what I mean. That's where I'm like, I hate to say this, SWT. If I was SWT and all this money, if they literally were going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you better have a fun, I'm, I'd be shocked. SWT should have had a lawyer the entire time to tell them, hey, what is actually legal here? Where are we in the wrong? If we take off, if we don't use any Nintendo trademarks, uh, like, the, like, like the Oval logo, we don't use the official Smash Brothers trademark, if we don't use Nintendo characters, and we just run this show... Are we legally clear? It would be shocking that an organization with all this money on the line would not have spoken to a lawyer or had a lawyer even on the calls with Nintendo along the way just to make sure they were safe. That's what I would be shocked. I, and maybe they didn't have a lawyer, which would be very dumb uh, to at least be like, listen, these are by the laws of this, whatever state this is being held, what state was going to be held by the laws of this state. This is what you have to do to be compliant by the laws of this state. And, SWT technically would only have to follow those laws, and then if Nintendo came after them forever, okay, well we have we have our lawyer that said this is okay. Let's let's do this. But I don't think they're willing to go that way, and that's why you said again when Nintendo says we expect you to, that doesn't mean they never said lawfully you have to, legally yeah. you have to. The other thing I I, uh, I want to say about it though is um you know who knows how much money is behind the SWT, how big the organizing thing is. I wonder. If cancellation has anything to do with um, printed materials having Nintendo's stuff on it, sure, breaking trademark signage, sure, uh, you know shirts, fucking uh, awards, and I wonder if they looked at it and go, uh, it. in two weeks we can't fucking redo this. Yeah, we can't toss everything out, and reprint out all. And this I understand. Stuff. I mean, yeah. that, that, again, that that's really shitty. And in, like you, they you should have given them a heads up. And I'm still, I'm of the belief you you let them do it, and then if it fucks, if they fuck it up, then you 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 stop it. And you know it, what? You might have brought up a point. There might have been something along those lines where I'm not saying they did or did not. There might have been something where Nintendo started looking at the breadth of what they agreed to versus what the organization was doing and said, whoa, 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 this is going too far. We don't know. We don't know. 
maybe maybe there was merchandise with Nintendo stuff that Nintendo didn't sign off on. Like, there's all these little things that could have happened where, like, yeah, it was cool, cool, cool. Now it's not anymore. Right. That's the problem when 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 you're dealing with a big organization like Nintendo, this this fucking monolith that has to get stuff approved. You know, from Japan and then to the U.S. and the U.S. has to talk to them. Like we're talking <laughs> all these layers uh, uh, that have to go through. That it sounds like it's just. It sounds like it became too much for Nintendo to either keep keep a hold on, or they realized they were in over their head and got scared. I'm not I, saying I, I didn't say they handled this well. They probably did not no, handle this. They well. did they not handle that well but, at all. And being uh, in over your head and scared is not a reason to back out. Again, you let it happen and then address it after. That's a, that's a tough call to make, though. If you think, like I said you know, again, what's it? What in the grand fucking scheme of things, what's it mean to Nintendo? Not a thing. But then it's what, one event, what, the event can go on, and something horrible happens. Your name's attached to it. You know, I'm not saying it would, but that's the thing. There's not enough information. But I really think that Nintendo got scared, obviously, about something and said, "I don't think Nintendo would have agreed to a license and then pulled out a, like a week or two before, unless they thought it was worth." Something when we were happening, but this, but this goes further. Then that this story kept evolving with this right so then something happened uh, so panda puts out a statement basically saying yeah. don't blame us we didn't do anything we didn't get this canceled i'm paraphrasing then obviously people came after panda thinking that they did it uh, that they 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 helped get this uh closed uh i don't know much about the panda organization i don't know what they do um but it sounds like there was some weird shit going on because now all this in the past week panda booted their ceo yes i saw that too so i don't know what's happening this is where like we don't have all the information did the ceo do or say something weird that had something to do with any of this were they putting out so of- someone will have to fill us in on this uh, what my understanding was is that there i believe in one of the panda responses they mentioned something about Dr. Allen, who is the old CEO, saying something to someone and it was misconstrued as like them trying to get SWT shut down. I don't know. It's fucking. Okay. Panda has listened to the community and changed some of our approaches to working with tournaments based on the feedback in the Smash World Tour statement. There are a number of accusations leveled against Dr. Allen, the CEO of Panda. In reality, Dr. Allen, as Nintendo of America has corroborated, has been one of the more vocal supporters of the broader community and the Smash World Tour organizers in internal conversations. However, the Panda team does, does acknowledge and regret an interaction between Dr. Allen and Beyond the Summit, in which he spoke in a manner that did not reflect either guidance from Nintendo or our own standards. Uh-oh. But that was a, yeah. Panda took efforts to rectify the situation immediately, and in the second half of the year, a dedicated team made up of multiple staff members was disassembled to manage Panda Cup activities and serve as the primary point of contact for event runners, removing the possibility of future miscommunications from occurring. Okay. So it sounded like the the CEO was was speaking out of turn earlier in the year, was doing some stuff that maybe even Nintendo didn't like, was up to their standards, and so they had to, like, muzzle the guy, right? That's what it looks like, right? Well, now... Now the person's gone entirely. Within a like within a, within a, a week after that, the person's gone. Um, He's booted. He says right here, December fourth. I've stepped down as CEO of Panda to protect the safety and well-being of the team. My statement with evidence is coming, and uh, it's a screenshot with two bullet points, and it says SWT lied and BTS leadership put the community in jeopardy. BTS being behind the scenes, I would. Okay, so... So it sounds like fucking drama, 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 drama. Okay. SWT's blaming Panda. Panda said we did nothing wrong. 
but now uh, the CEO of Panda is gone. Uh, they said Panda has heard the concerns of the Smash community and is taking immediate action. Allen is no longer CEO, effective immediately. In the interim, Panda employers are working with outside advisors to form a temporary interim management committee, blah, 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 blah. Okay. All I know is this. Nintendo does not want a part of any of this. This is not worth their time at all. No. They are not making money running these tournaments. Smash Brothers, they're not making any extra Smash Brothers profit by running these tournaments. The game has sold a billion copies already. The next is going to sell a billion copies. They're, they are dealing with, honestly, amateurs uh, at this stuff that built up communities, which is good, but don't know how to conduct maybe business to their standards where they don't want this shit to happen. And maybe this is Nintendo maybe regretting being involved with this at all, or maybe this is Panda trying to save the relationship with Nintendo by booting the CEO. Because Nintendo's ready to wash their hands of it entirely and saying, we're out, we're fucking out from all this, we regret trying to be involved with this shit at all. That's what it looks like to me. But this is all happening all within a week. It's fucking nuts. It is. We'll see. I'm sure it's probably not the end of it. We'll hear some more, hopefully, this week. We'll it's see. nuts. Yeah. All, All right. right. Ian, we got a... Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go, you exchange a little bit of money, and in return, you get the full, full video podcast. Oh, big stretch, big stretch. Big, big stretch? Big, big, um, big stretch. You get writings, uh, which I just posted today. I talked about uh, making a little leftover casserole. Uh, you get the uh, Nothing Matters uh, bonus <laughs> exclusive bits. Exclusive podcast. The exclusive podcast. You know what it's called, finally. Uh, you know, that we record in the morning before we start recording. Uh, here's Get Limber. Here's Get Limber. There's, there's a monthly hangout. There's monthly a, hangouts, a pin, pin clubs, club. and these poll topics for you. In second place, thoughts on VR and the new PSVR 2. Yeah, we'll just wipe that one next week. 24%. What? We'll just wipe that one next week. We'll wipe it. 24% isn't bad. <laughs> and in first place, like you say, it's hard to think of these topics. We did this it for is. several fucking years. Yes, it's very difficult. First place, underrated and overrated video game controllers, 76%. Uh, underrated the uh, jog con on the PlayStation One. So um, Namco, oh, you always bring this up. Namco <laughs> fucking <laughs> loves making uh, weird controllers for games. Um, they have, you know, they have their guns, etc. Um, they made uh, they had the Negcon for the PlayStation, which was the first weird Ridge Racer controller that has a pivot in the center, and when you twist it, you turn left and right. Who did that one again? Namco. They did. The NegCon. Um, And then they did the JogCon for uh, Ridge Racer Type 4. Now, the JogCon is not nearly as loved as the NegCon. It's weird. Uh, It's got a big jog wheel in the center. It's got a wheel in the front. Yeah, with the the little thumb (laughs) disc. Uh, the little thumb indent. Um, the neat thing about this controller, though, is that it's force feedback. It's actually a mini force feedback wheel. So when you turn, the resistance and stuff on the, the jog the dial actually resist? changes oh. Yeah, as you steer. So it actually feels a little bit like a little arcade steering wheel um, that you just control so with like your thumbs. So if the game supports it, it'll like get stuck or get harder to turn back. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's really, really neat. The uh, it was made for um, 
Ridge Racer Type 4, but I believe you can use it for a couple other select games. I'll look that up. And uh, I've actually probably beaten Ridge Racer Type 4 more times with the JogCon than I have without it. Uh, I don't think it was particularly well-loved, but I bought it with the uh, game the day it came out in the big box set. I forced myself to learn how to use it, and I got damn, damn good with it. So that's one of my favorites. Um, well, there's a lot of compatibility for the Netcon. The yes, Netcon's got a lot of compatibility. There's dozens of games. Yep. A few dozen, like three or four dozen games. Uh, yeah, Twisted Metal. Uh, uh, Tekken might have some. The Ridge Racer games, Need for Speed. Uh, Ace Combat games. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, Ace Combat. Um, uh, one that would have been really cool that I've never played is uh, Tempest X3 uses oh. it which would actually probably be really good as kind of like a dial substitute. Sure. Uh, I know Wipeout used it. Arkanoid uses it, which um, would also make a lot of sense. Arkanoid would be a really good use for the neg. This is the negcon I'm talking about. According to Wikipedia, there's a, there's a Wikipedia entry, entry for the JogCon. I've never seen one in person. I've never seen one at the swap meet before. I would have bought A negcon or a JogCon? Uh, I don't think I've seen either. Definitely haven't I've seen got a, both. I definitely haven't seen a JogCon because I would have bought it because that's cool as hell. Yeah. Um, JogCon is fully compatible with games such as Ridge Racer 4, Type 4, V-Rally 2, Pac-Man World, the PlayStation version of Breakout, PlayStation 2, uh, Ridge Racer 5, and other games that can be used as a regular PlayStation controller by turning off the JogCon mode using the Switch. Um, JogCon also has a relatively unknown NegCon compatibility mode. By holding the mode button as you turn on the PlayStation, the JogCon wheel emulates the NegCon's twist functionality. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh, Ian's learned something. However, I never knew that. As force feedback is isn't supported in this mode, the wheel will not self center. On top of this, the the default button mapping for for a negcon or any gcon whatever usually means the X square buttons are are used for acceleration and brake. Whereas in games like Ridge Racer Type Four and V Rally Two, these controls are moved to the shoulder buttons to allow for both thumbs to control the wheel. Okay, so like there's semi compatibility, but not as much. Interesting. Interesting. And, and that's why I didn't sell that well Jogcon because of the compatibility wasn't as you're, you're buying. Well, and there's there was no uh, analog sticks at the time. I, I I can't remember if they were already into the Dual Shock era by that point in time. Uh, yeah. Probably. This is '98. This yeah. came out. Yeah, because that was like a year or two when they went into the, that, didn't they? So I I I love those controllers, and um, I will also shout out a little bit of love right now for the Power Pad. Um, which you stole my answer. I'm sorry. Uh, I uh, I know a lot of people don't like the power pad. I fucking loved the power pad. I think as a kid. I think it's a little underrated. The power pad. It is. I think it functions fine. Um, I think it if it had been made a little bit better, it could have been even better. But it functioned fine for uh you know the the games that it it, it used. Um, and I think some of the it's responsive. I think some of the third party Bandai. Well, that's not technically third party because Bandai made it. Um. Explode is really good. Uh, short order Dan- is a lot of fun. Dance aerobics works. Dance aerobics is fun, <laughs> and it's it's overly ambitious and not like a great game to play. But Street Cop's really interesting. All Street Cop had to do was make it optional to use the D pad to move up and down. That's the problem with Street Cop is the moving up and down. It's not intuitive where to place your foot and right. stuff. But but yeah, you want you want to smack a mugger on the head with a with a nightstick. Uh, sure, go for it. Um, yeah, and it's it's a shame that there wasn't obviously more with the uh, there was like three or four more games in in, um, 
in Japan, because remember, in Japan, it was never a power pit. It was always just a family fun fitness pit. Right, right. There it was popular. It was not popular. Isn't there like some sort of like there's almost a, like first person like haunted maze game? That always game. looked really cool to me, and I never played there's it. There's a maze game. There's a few other games that didn't come out here. Um, I think what Nintendo... Nintendo was probably like, yeah, we're just going to see how this does. And it's already been out for a few years in Japan. I think it came out in Japan in like 86. Um, so I think at that point, or a few years later, it was almost like, well, we're just going to put it out and see what happens and not really do much else. But I think it could have been bigger than what it was if you had – all you had to have done is make like a Mario game with the power pad. Something simple and just use like Mario characters and it would have sold. Yeah. It would have sold. Easy jumping on top of like Goomba's shit. Or even like a – you know, obviously they, they, they took Steam events and made it world-class track meet. Do the first Nintendo Olympics game with with Mario characters, and it would have sold. Right, it would have sold. Make him side scroll, whatever. And yeah, basically any effort applied by Nintendo they, beyond the sports pack would have been. Yeah, they just did short order explode, and and that's couple, super team games. Yeah, that Street Cup, but but super. But I mean, but those were Bandai and other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Nintendo didn't put in the effort themselves. No, Nintendo did. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. If Nintendo had put in any effort. But I mean, at the time, again, that's 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 hindsight's twenty twenty. Sure. I mean, this was so early on; they didn't know Mario was going to become the next big fucking thing. Gotcha. I'll stick with NES. I'll give you an overrated one. Okay. I think the Zapper's overrated. I think the Zapper's a little overrated. I know we love the Zapper. I know we we it's it's like the, you know the original light gun everyone played with that that we had. Um, for most games, it's tough to use because of the uh, because of the quickness, the blockiness. Uh, it's it's tough to use uh, for games like Operation Wolf, where you need a, a rapid fire. Pulling it one at a time is like impossible to play it and be successful. A game like Gotcha, it works a lot better. To the Earth is impossible because of the speed and accuracy you need with that. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, then I got to like the th- like the second or third stage. It's like I don't know who could beat this game with the zapper. I'm sure it's possible, but like it, the responsiveness is not there. Um, hell, it's tough with Chiller to play with Chiller. Well, it's impossible. I mean, but Chiller's not a well-made game. Oh, it's impossible with two players. So It's pretty rough with one, too. For, like, Duck Hunt, it works pretty well. Hogan's Alley, it works pretty well. With Wild Gunman. Wild Gunman. But once you get away from those, um, even games like, uh, you know, the Shooting Range and uh, the other one Nintendo did. I always forget the name of it. God damn it. Gumshoe. Uh, trick shooting, trick shooter, trick shooting. It, it's some of those games are tougher, like sh- like shooting. Well, she throws up the stuff in the air. You got to shoot them. In, in Barker Bill's trick shooting, uh, well, I always forget that that zapper game. It's probably it's probably it's honestly one of the better ones uh, on there. What Barker Bill? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's all right. Uh, but the zapper is not built for some of those activities. It just isn't. No, but I respect the zapper a little bit more. I I, I do. I I think the zapper was fine for what it did. I think the games that step outside of what it can handle, those are mostly third party. So that's kind of on them. They just wanted to do more with it than they could. I think if I'm really going to look at one, well, it's not overrated, I guess. It's probably well rated, but I have bigger problems with like the super scope. All those 16 bit era light guns that used the IR tracking, Uh they suck. I just hate the super scope itself. I just hate the fact that it's a bazooka. I yeah. think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Just give me a pistol like the minister on the Genesis. Just give me a pistol looking design I could use. And but that would have been fine. That I was so turned off by the super scope just because just, just of the form factor. I never got one. I went over to my cousins and played it. Who had everything. The three boys who had everything. And I was like, this is I, I said, this is trash to me. 
The yeah. bazooka thing is ridiculous. Nah, it's too much. It was I, I know too, they, were too much. they were concerned about the fucking Congress coming down and everything. It's like, come on, it's a gray gun. Like, it's not a weapon. You're not going to be confused by it. It's ridiculous. Was the Super Scope the same in Japan? I never really looked into that. Good question. I believe so. That's actually a good, good question. I, I, I never saw a different one. Super Famicom Super Scope. That's a great question. Yeah. Look, it's, it's yeah. the same. It's the same. Yeah. Is the color scheme a little bit different? No. It, they kept the same color scheme? Yeah, it looks like it kept the same color scheme, too. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the justifier for <laughs> stuff like you know, Lethal Enforcers, but it wasn't compatible with, with the other games on uh, the Super Nintendo. No, because uh, the justifier acted like a normal light gun, and the Super Nintendo used yeah. the IR, so you couldn't... Unfortunately, you still couldn't do the rapid fire with the, the justifier, Sure, my understanding. Sure. Um I guess, yeah, as, as quick as it, the refresh would happen. Like in the arcade, the arcade it was. Yeah, yeah, right. Single shots. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so those are, those are a, a couple of there. Uh, I'm going to go back to it because you cause you folks don't know how to use the NES Max. The NES Max is underrated. You just got to know what games to use it for and how to use it. Ice hockey, it's the best controller ever made. Uh, or track and field, too. You got to love the NES Max when it comes to that. You got, you got another, you got any overrated ones? You had a couple of underrated ones. No, no real overrated. Well, I. The advantage is overrated. The advantage is hugely overrated. Although I don't know. Again, I don't know that it's really overrated. It's I rated. think at this point it's rated. People understand this... that it's not great. Yeah. I really don't like, you know, what one that was really, really popular. I'll call this overrated, I guess, um, because it was popular when it would come into Luna cool. is the original ASCII uh, Super Nintendo arcade stick. The one with the colored buttons on the front. The one actually set up three and three? No, or it's no? not. It's set up fucking weird. It has a weird setup that is Oh, the gray controller. Uh, there's a color one, too. Okay, yeah. I it up. Um, I, know, I know what you're talking about. I have the gray one. Yeah. So it's the, the buttons aren't laid out properly to the, start the with. The super advantage wasn't either. Yeah. The, the buttons are not laid out properly. And on top of that, uh, but people always want to buy it. And on top of that, the buttons, when you press them on the edges the buttons tend to get stuck under the lip of the plastic. Really? Yeah, it's a really shitty joystick. And I, I like a lot of ASCII-ware stuff from that time period, yeah, but the, I hate the ASCII-ware Super Nintendo joystick. It's The, the ASCII controller with the Trevor switches is great. fantastic because the triggers don't break. A really nice-feeling D-pad, that's too. A, that's an underrated one. What do we got here? That one. Oh, that's the super. That's the that's the super. That's the Nintendo Super Advantage. Oh well, it's ASCII. I'm sorry. That's oh, it's made by ASCII. That, okay. So that is the one I'm thinking. The Super of. Advantage yes. is trash. Yeah, it's it's because absolute the, dog the shit. L's on the all on the left. The R's. It's ridiculous. So so the the best the the best pad ever to me for the Super Nintendo is the ASCII wear ASCII pad because it has um, switches for turbos for all of them. This reminds me of a good one. Uh, has switches for all of them. Like I said, the R and the L's are really good. They're not mushy. They don't break. I never had an ask you where pad break on me uh, for that. Um, uh, uh, underrated, because a lot of people don't know what the fuck you're supposed to do with it. I think it's called the Capcom Soldier Pad. I need to look it up. Capcom. We're gonna, all these prices are going to go up. It is. <laughs> the Capcom Soldier Pad. And no one... Oh, that one. Yeah. This pad is awesome if you like fighters, because it's... So when I play fighting games, I have a stick, but I've kind of become a pad fighter, which is where I hold my pad against my leg uh-huh. and I use my D-pad and then I tap the buttons. You tap instead of using your I thumb? I tap the buttons instead of using my thumb. The Capcom Soldier Pad, people love to look at that thing and go, what the fuck do you do with it? It's a pad designed 
to do that with. It's tilted out so that you can cross your leg and put that bit right oh, there. Oh, is that why? It's, you, that's why it's twisted. That's why it's and shaped then, like that. Yeah, and then you use your fingers to tap it out. Well, it's they, actually a really awesome fucking pad. They but should no have, one knows what to do with it when they first see it. Maybe it's the name Soldier Pad. They right. called it Fighting Pad. Right. Exactly. Because they, they, Capcom had their uh, own fighting stick. Yep. That actually was laid out well. And the other one that was laid out well, what was the other one? The yeah, the Fighter Stick Pro. That's the one. That's the one that I thought. That's the gray one. That's the one that's actually pretty good. Right. The fighter. That's why I thought that was great because it has three in the top, three in the butt, bottom. I don't know if the buttons are mushy or not, but that's the one that's set up properly. But Capcom had theirs as well. That was more expensive. Um, so yeah, that's just for you know NES and Super. Um, and any uh, some people were saying we were, we were going to trash the N64 controller as being overrated. I don't think the N64 controller is overrated. I think it's fine for what it is. I think it's fine. I don't. I don't love I don't, it, but it's fine. I don't think it's bad. The D pad's fine. The analog, yes, you can break the analog on it, but you know if you, if you misuse it. But I think the analog is pretty good if you get a, a pretty fresh controller or one that hasn't been beat to death right. before it's worn out. I used to play Smash Bros. in college all the time. It was fine. You can pull off the moves. Um, yeah, that's it. I guess that's it for our controllers. That's it. The holidays are almost here, and there's plenty of t-shirt cheer thanks to our sponsor, True Classic Tees. Fellas, we have the perfect gift for your wish list. True Classic Tees are a gift for you, for her, and a great present for any guy in your life. True Classic is on a mission to maximize men's confidence by making them look good. Trust me when I say that this is a gift that the ladies will appreciate, too. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men look great in their tees, and now you can save big while you do so. Get 25% off True Classic with our exclusive link, trueclassic.com slash podcast. And the discount doesn't stop there. You'll save even more during their site-wide sale. Support the podcast and check them out at trueclassic.com slash podcast. If you're looking a bit like Santa, who isn't, I certainly am, True Classic might be the Christmas miracle you've been waiting for. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on certain body types, while True Classic's team designs t-shirts to make the fellas of all sizes out there feel confident in their clothing. I hate shopping for t-shirts. I always feel like they don't fit. They're different between brands. These are comfortable. They fit nicely. They're very soft. I enjoy them. These tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter on the chest and shoulders. It's a good look for everyone. Whether it's the gym or a casual date, there's no better look than a fresh tee. They offer other menswear too, ranging from polos to workout shirts to boxer briefs, all designed to keep you feeling nice and comfortable. They make it super easy to build out your wardrobe with their elite true classic quality. They have a pack builder on their website where you can customize the bundle you want and save even more. And for my big fellas out there, they have long options for the tall guys in up to triple XL sizes. True Classic also makes for the perfect gift or stocking stuffer for all the men in your life. Dad bods, we've got you covered. Rip bods, you know it. Your average Joes, yes sir. Get yourself or someone you love the number one gift on Santa's list. It's a gift for you, but a gift for everyone as well. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com slash podcast. Free shipping is included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com slash podcast. Santa won't be the only one slaying thanks to True Classic. We got, uh, we got voice messages. You go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You go. Leave us a voice me- uh, message. 20 seconds is the sweet spot for me. Here's the first one. Hi, Pat. Nia. It's Harrison from Somerville, Massachusetts. My question is for Pat. Pat, 
my parents are from South Jersey. My mom's from Mays Landing. My dad's from Lindenwald. Uh, does Central Jersey exist? Uh, side note, it's called pork roll. Thing. Whoa. Okay. Technically, if, if the, the way that the calendars are set up, Eam, there is a cutoff between North and South right in the middle. It goes diagonally through the state. <laughs> uh-huh. So technically, that's the division of North <laughs> and South. I consider a little bit of in between to be central, but I get it. Most people think that it's north and south, really, but I, I think there's a central. Next. Hey, it's Mark from Boston. Uh, I'm sitting here eating dinner with my daughter, and we're watching YouTube, and a commercial comes up for this uh, Super Mario Brothers play set, and I was just instantly transported to being 11, and it looked like about the most badass thing I'd ever seen. I don't know, just wanted to see if you guys have seen this, and if not, check it out, because it's super rad. Uh, first time, long time. Have a good one, fellas. But they say which place? There's a, there's a castle one. There's, there's a couple, but I think the castle is the big one. The Let Jack me tell you something, Castle. Nintendo. I want my childhood back. You had this anti-toy thing going on when we were growing up where you didn't want to put out toys like this, and now you have the Lego sets. you got the little Mario Kart racers. All back when we were kids, you put out a fucking phone. You put out a weird uh, camera that was... You put the little the little little bag of tell mini things you put in with Nintendo cereal. You stayed you stayed away from toys for some reason. You left money on the table, Nintendo. This you is left- a, good, a cute looking uh, uh, set, though. I do I do love those the, the toy Kingdom sets. Castle? Yeah, I, I love I love the return of like sets that give like play sets, it not just characters, everything. but play sets. Yeah, yet five characters, twenty in this. bucks, five. Jack Pacific bestseller. Mario, Luigi, Princess Bowser, a Goomba. A Goomba, two coins, a uh, 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 a block thingamajig, and a superstar. Uh, I would want a Koopa. I'm sure it's compatible with other sets and figures, though. But probably, yeah, they didn't have that stuff when we were kids. No, you get like a little freaking little uh, little plastic little Mario that you can put on your table and look yeah. at. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you had. It was or like a like a, a a link little pencil topper. I don't know. All right, next one. Hey, Pat and Ian, it's Frank from Boston. In episode 338, you responded to a voicemail where uh, you guys talked about how you didn't think a regular arcade could work nowadays. Well, uh, I just want to let you know, in Smyrna, Tennessee, near where I, used to, where I used to go to college, there's a place called Game Galaxy. It's pretty much a warehouse that you pay $15 to get into, uh, and they let you play all day. They have uh, every machine you could ever think of. They had a warehouse that was exclusively just pinball, and most importantly, they had Baja Blast year-round. It was awesome. Not sure if it survived the pandemic, but if you're ever in Smyrna, Tennessee, go check it out. Have a good day. You heard it here first. Go to Smyrna for your arcade needs. That's right. I I went to uh, a local barcade uh, the other day. Uh, Which one? uh, Went to Coin House in La Mesa. I I remember that one. Is that a a new one? Coin House? Coin House has existed. I think that's their second location. So we have two coin ops and a couple of coin houses? Uh, two coin ups, two coin houses. Nickel World, Nickel City. Uh, I don't think Nickel City is still oh. around. I don't like to ever talk bad about a place, Uh-oh. but I walked in there. Oh, um, oh. They had two pinball machines that were the dirtiest I have ever seen. Pinball machines, off level. Playfields covered in like black dirt. They had a uh, Pong table. They had a Pac-Man versus. Okay. They had a uh, Cruise and Blast, some motorcycle game, and a couple of other LCD games. They had a self-serve beer system that dispensed half a beer. 
to Lincoln. He went up and tapped the car, and it spit like half a beer and a bunch of foam into the fucking cup. It was just... Is that legal? A self-serve beer Yeah, it's, it's like you tap your card and you pay for it, but it, it because it measures out what it's giving you. Is there a cutoff for how many times you can go up? I have no idea. They can probably cut you off just like bartenders. But, but that's the, fact, the point. There's no bartender to cut you off. Well, the bartender's like looking at you. Oh. They're just not fucking doing anything. Oh, it was just one of the worst fucking barcade experience. I was, it was very, very sad in there. <laughs> but the pinball machines were miserable. Yeah, and we're getting that uh, that place that we went to uh, back east. They're opening the one up here. They're opening around one? Yeah. Where? I told you about that. Um, I think Chula Vista. Where, where was the mall down there? Around one. Uh, technically called a bowling center. They also don't take care of their pinball machines. Yeah, but it's a great place. Yeah, they're opening up around one. I um, I don't know when it's coming here, but I saw that. I looked it up online. All right. So I'll go to there. I'll go there. That's, we obviously have a Dave and Buster's. I haven't been to Dave and Buster's in years. Neither have I. Uh, yeah, we're they're opening one up. National City coming soon. All right. So that's uh, yeah, it's not too far. Onward. Okay. Jesus. I thought I was a general voicemail. You're, you're Captain Intro. <laughs> hey guys, Zach from Spokane. I was just curious if you weren't doing what you're doing with gaming and podcasting, what's a, another career field you'd be interested in doing? Like, if you could go back and kind of start over, like with college, um, would you go like get a PhD in geology, or would you go like become a doctor? I don't know. If just wondering if there's anything like that you've ever been interested in. Thanks. I would have kept a portfolio before I left Buffalo, and I'd still be a florist today. Oh, we didn't keep a portfolio. We mean like like flower arrangement pictures. Yeah, flower arrangement pictures, gardens that I did. I used to do like gardens for little old ladies from top to bottom. I mean, you can still do that here. Yeah, but having a portfolio makes it a lot easier. It's better to do that here because here you can do that almost year round. You can't yep. do it there. There you can do it like eight months out of the year. You can do well, it the there gardening most. you can only do for some of it, but the the florist stuff you do all the time. I mean, you just oh. have people who ship you flowers. Oh, sure, that makes sense. They just ship you boxes you can, and boxes. Hey, why don't you look into that? Ian? that'd be a relaxing career. Yeah, I don't know what it, what it pulls, what what you make doing that, but you know, uh, I'd be a professional gigolo. All uh, right, next. So can you do that professionally? I guess if you get paid for it. All right, it's Andrew from Bath in England. Hey, you guys ever had a sublime musical moment in gaming where, like, you hear the music and you feel the sunshine of Green Hill Zone, or you're there on the <laughs> beach at the end of Streets of Rage 2, or you're on holiday in the 80s in Vice City, or when you come over the hill in Death Stranding, or all of Tetris Effect VR by the guy that made Res? Have you ever had that, like, a musical moment memory where you remember being in the game when you hear the music? All right, thanks, guys. Party on, Pat, and party on Ian. Well, thank you. Uh, Tetris Effect is actually a really, really good, um, a really good example. Uh, another one where I listen to the soundtrack and I can think about the game as silly as it sounds, uh, but I do it a lot is uh, the Katamari soundtrack. I have that on sure. vinyl and I put it on a lot, and uh, it brings the game rushing back to my head. I mean, which is funny because it's a great soundtrack. Like you could give that soundtrack to someone and be like, "You want to just listen to some weird experimental pop? It's really good." They could take that go home and enjoy it as a soundtrack, but it also fits the game perfectly. Um, the Outrun music is fucking sure. incredible. The pairing of that with the racing is, I, I it's hard to think of playing Outrun without the music. It's almost, I can't think of it. True, true. Like, you, I couldn't picture doing that. Um, obviously, the Tetris music's iconic, both versions. They're both nice. It's big, uh, I, I re-listened this the other day. I always forget, it's, is it the Dr. Mario Fever song? 
That, oh, yeah. That to me is like a top 10 like NES musical track. Sure. That's incredible. That that track. And I don't know if that increases my love for Dr. Mario, but Dr. Mario is probably my favorite NES puzzle game. Sure. Probably because of that. Next. Hello, Pat. Hello, Ian. This is Gabriel. I'm speaking from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Brazil. And I would like to ask if any of you guys ever had a chance to play some of the exclusive games we've had here in Brazil back in the in the 90s and 80s. Any that come to mind, Ian, that you remember? Did he say for what system? Because I think that would be for a Sega system. Probably. Especially for the Master System and Mega Drive. Yeah, those are the big ones you think that we think of the exclusive yeah. Um No, I haven't. I'm trying. I, I, I know that they exist. I don't think I have played any of them. Yeah, I don't think I have access to that that I remember in my days. I never came across a, an exclusive one. But I'd like to look them up. Give them a shot. I mean, sure. it's, I appreciate you putting that back into my head. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Gizmo Hibiki from California. Uh, I wanted to ask, with Nintendo being successful with their Mario Kart franchise to the point where you, where you can get to play the game on mobile phones, uh, why do you think Sony, out of all companies, hasn't tried their hand in it? Sure, we've seen uh, Atari make their own car racing game and Sega do it with their own characters, but we never really seen Sony do it with their all their characters. Um, kind of. So I the problem is, is I think we kind of uh, did because Mod Nation Racers was essentially Sony's attempt at a Mario Kart, but it didn't. He's right; it did not use did it use everyone. It did. No, it did. It didn't use any mascots. It was their own stuff, and I, I think it was, you know, maybe second party. They did also do a little big planet kart racing that was generally not fucking talked about at all. Um, I think it was PS3 only. I don't think it was on PS4. No one talked about it. Um, Sony, Sony's tried to like bring the brand together, but it's not. It doesn't work. It's not cohesive. They tried work. to do it with their their PlayStation uh, Brawl with the their Smash Brother uh, clone. It, it doesn't work because none of the characters fit well there's no, together. There's no unifying look to them like with the Nintendo games or even close to it. So it, it comes off, and the tone's all off. Nintendo's tone of their first party games is a lot closer. Yeah, somehow exactly. the WB uh, game manage, manages more tonal coherence than the fucking PlayStation one ever did. Yeah. It, it, Kratos versus, you know, it's just no one cares. It looks silly. Yeah, Sackboy versus Kratos. Yeah, it's going to be like, eh, a little weird. It's a super ultra violent versus like super cute. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tough to do that. I'll do a few more. Hey guys, Brock from Nebraska here. Brock. My question is regarding Pat's favorite franchise on the NES, Mega Man. When it comes to Mega Man 1 through 6, what is your favorite to least favorite? My order would be 4, 3, 6, 5, 1, 2. And yes, you heard me correctly, 2 is my least favorite. For what? For Mega Man. Uh. 2 is regarded as the best one. It's 5 stars on a certain NES guide. I love 2. Um... I like the one best before they got before. Where do they put the slide in? Three or four? Three. All right. No, that oh, jumps a shark. The slide breaks the game to me. Not not a Mega Man expert, but the over reliance on slide techniques and using that, I think, breaks the game. As, as someone outside the Mega Man faniverse, when you have to over rely on that mechanic and constantly do it, I think that's bad. Uh, from, and they, t- they took it out of what nine or ten when they brought him back. I think they took the slide. They out. took it out of nine and bought it back for ten. I think I think you got, you can't be over relying on something like that. Uh, 
as a for a platformer. Uh, anyway, yeah, I guess I'll say uh, one or two. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I've ever played five or six. I mean, we have in the marathons, but I can't tell you anything about five or six, or, or maybe even four. Hey guys, it's Daryl from Buffalo again. I was wondering what you guys prefer playing: Super Mario Brothers two or Super Mario Brothers three. All right, guys, have a good day. I mean, they're both great, but two to me, two is my all time favorite. Uh, I mean, like two, two, two to me is so evocative of the NES. And like what you can do with that console, and how that that and how that game feels, and how it, how smooth the controls are, and the music, I I don't in terms of like just personal nostalgia, I don't and the fact that I rented that one all the time, uh, two to me is my all time favorite Mario game. Um, I mean, I love part two, but I think three is a classic for a reason, and I, I oh sure I adore it. No, no, they're both great, but I'm just saying like two to me is my yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'd take either, but I guess I'd say my preference the, is with the, three. The different characters themselves. When you were a kid, the different characters thing was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Like that was what? Oh yeah. You can do what in a in a platformer? You can play it differently, and and, and do the stages a little differently because of the character. Like that's nuts in of itself. Did you know? You know, is a game called Doki Doki Panic. <laughs> were you aware? <laughs> I was aware. Were you? I, I learned that from the Are You Aware Gamer. You want you want to check in with? Uh, we'll check in with someone here. All right. Hello, Pat. Hello, Ian. This is Bernie Sanders. I just had to call in to tell you to stop with the politics. Enough with the politics. I can't take it anymore. Why would I want to hear about this? I, I want to hear about collecting PS1 long boxes. Not this. I-, I used to be into politics, but it's a waste of time. Every time I think I'm getting somewhere, I, I got I to I gotta job out for whoever the DNC wants me to lay down for that year. Just like Brett the Hitman Hart had to lay down for Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 9. And, and, and both times, both times it happened to me, Donald Trump was Yokozuna. It's ridiculous. Politics are stupid, stupid, stupid. So stop it. But apart from that, the podcast is fucking awesome. Keep up the good work. Uh, thanks, Bernie. We thanks, know, Bernie. You know, Bernie was a supporter. I think that might be a response to uh, someone came after me or you last week in, in the comments. Uh, during the intro that we brought up politics. I don't remember us bringing uh, up politics. No, neither do I. But people think anything that is uncomfortable to them is politics that they don't like. What did we even, what did we even talk about? That w- It might have been about like... Uh, Someone brought it up too. I saw it Elon down there. Elon Musk like, maybe? And they thought that was political? That's, I think that's what it was. Maybe. Uh, th- yeah, that's right. It was calling Elon Musk an idiot. People said that was political. That says a lot about you if you think that's it politics. It sure does. Wow. I am sorry for you. If you think that's political. Well, it's a good episode of the CU Podcast. Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. I'm going to go home and have a bagel. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. What about you? Um, going to edit. Yeah. That's what I do. You're going to have a bagel, too. I got to go to work. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> um, thanks for listening to the podcast. Next week, we'll do um, an unboxing of, of presents that was sent to us from uh, Toy. Oh! Sweet YouTuber, and then uh, we'll see if we can do a gift exchange if mine comes in time for you to give to me. Sounds good. Because uh, next week might be our last podcast of, of the 2022. Yeah, we might probably take a, take a little off. break. We All deserve right. it. Bye. Bye.